0: I'm your host Meg,
1: and I am the Lunchbox.
0: And this was Mr. Lunchbox's pick this week.
1: Mm-hmm. We went with Spider Baby or the Maddest Story Ever Told.
0: Or, or there's a couple of titles here. Hold on, there's more. Uh, where were some of them? Screw it. Keep going.
1: Oh my God! Wow, way to nope, set there it that is. up. Oh, no, okay. No, just
0: kidding. I found it. No, nope, you don't get to tell them. No, I do now. It says Spider Baby or. The Maddest Story Ever Told, or The Liver Eaters, or Attack of the Liver Eaters, or Cannibal Orgy.
1: Well, you know what? We're just going to go with the first one because that's the actual title of the movie. Spider Baby, or The Maddest Story Ever Told, is the actual title of my pick this week. Or uh, The
0: Liver Eaters. Stop it with this. Attack of the Liver Eaters. (laughs) I'm going to
1: send you to your room. Please. Good night.
0: Please send me to your room without dinner. That would be great. Tell me, tell me to go take a nap.
1: Just Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> Thank God I got my yingling in a can. <laughs> um, anyways. Like a classy so, dude. So this week, um, I picked this movie. I wanted to kind of go classic, but I didn't want to go uh, my typical route. That I usually go, like House on a Hill. Or no, you definitely didn't. This,
0: s- one's, this one's a B movie for sure.
1: Very much a um, B movie. And a... I the only reason that I actually came across this movie was because um, I well recently just I've been watching the the three from hell trailer getting really amped up because I'm a big uh, you know Rob Zombie House of 1000 Corpses Double Rejects fan so with the third installment coming out I got really pumped and came across this movie because um, it was through uh, Sid Haig's IMDb. And I never knew that he made – that he was in this movie. And so it was just – I was like, well, I'm going to take a look at it. I took a look at the trailer and I was like, holy – it was like, oh, you got Lon Chaney in it? Oh, my God. Like, this is fantastic. So yes. this is why I wanted to, to really go with this one because to see a young Sid Haig and
0: – Very young Sid Haig. Yeah. He was only um, – I think he was only 25 when this movie was filmed. So, yes, Spider-Baby – uh, came out December 24th 1967 however it was filmed in 1964 it kind of just sat in developmental hell for three years it did star Lon Chaney Jr. in one of his final roles um, I think he died in the early 70s he was just a few years out from that because um, he was a three-pack-a-day smoker uh, Carol Omar Quinn Rediker Beverly Washburn Sid Haig uh, it was directed by Jack Hill also written by Jack Hill uh and it was released by American General Pictures uh, for a budget of about $65,000. So this was made for nothing even in
1: 1964. Yeah, I mean, it was made in a single location. Mm-hmm. and uh, granted they could probably have used uh, you know, different areas to film in. Um, like I, well, I think they did like a, a section of the motel or the outside of the interstate with the motel, and then the outside of the house, and then all the rooms inside. They, but it's still very isolated. Well, when it they comes kept to it. Filming.
0: They kept it cheap. It was a short movie at about eighty-six minutes long. There was only nine people cast in the whole thing. Um, the producer and the director, or the director and the writer, excuse me, were the same person. There was two producers. There was one distribution company. So it was kept very, very, very small as movies you know, pre-1990s were. Um, you could pretty much, I think this fit all everything on one title card at the end. Yep. There was like one um, credit yeah. card and that was <laughs> Yeah, it.
1: because you mentioned, your, it was just like, it popped up and you're like, wow, that's it? That was it. You oh, awesome. we were and done. It's like, oh, we don't have another three hours of credits.
0: Yeah, like movies today, you can get through <laughs> like five or six minutes and still not get through the whole credits yeah. uh, sequence because it's you have 150 animators, and you've got a cast of like 50 people, and you got three different directors, assistant directors, all sorts of behind the scenes. It's just the
1: caterers, yeah. Every, the guy that tied the guy's shoes.
0: Everybody needs a credit. Assistance to the assistants. It's bananas. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this movie was. I mean, I don't know what I was expecting, but I don't. I don't know if this was it. Does that make any sense? Not at all. Okay, just check it. Go on. It was just this was an oddball, um, and it it read like a proper B movie. Like this was definitely the exactly what you think of when you think B movie, cult movie, what have you. Um, uh, it was it. I didn't even realize it was Sid Haig in the movie. Even after you told me until there was one scene where he did that big open mouthed grin or just, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about, right? And that's when I was like, oh, my God, that is Sid Haig. Very, very young. Like I said, I think he was only like 24 or 25 when he was Super
1: skinny, too. Yeah. Very ch- skinny. Chicken
0: legs for days. Yeah.
1: But, uh, and like, uh, real quick, just before we jump into this film, um, I... I was – after going through Sid Hague's IMDb, I was so blown away by this man's career that as like I don't think that he gets a lot of uh, really kind of credit for a lot of this. Like he had 149 acting credits through his entire career. A lot of them were TV, but it's like I wanted to kind of go yeah. through just some of the just, – just being on a lot of these shows, and even if they were just bit parts or – uh, I mean, he still happened to be a part of a lot of them. I'm going to run through them, like, really quick, just because these are some of the ones that I thought were... The more were,
0: notable ones, you mean?
1: Yeah, very, I mean, he, there was a lot of them. So, starting off, he was on the Batman TV series in 1966, Star Trek, Spider Baby, the movie Che, Gunsmoke, Get Smart, Im- Mission Impossible, THX 1138... Diamonds Are Forever which now I have to really watch that movie to see Sid Beware the Blob McMillan Wife Shaft Foxy Brown The 6 Million Dollar Man Galaxy of Terror Dukes of How- Hazard TJ Hooker Fantasy Island A Team MacGyver Jackie Brown and then after Jackie there was a kind of a gap and then his next role was in House of 1000 Corpses uh, Kill Bill 2, Devil's Rejects, House of the Dead 2, Night of the Living Dead uh, 3D, which is like his um, kind of starring role, and then he did a bit part in Halloween, Brotherhood from Hell, Dark Moon Rising, a s- shit ton of horror movie, you know, B movies, and then the next thing that he's going to be that's going to be major is Three from Hell. So, I mean, well, this guy has he been, been in like... Everything classic. Uh,
0: I don't know what the male equivalent of Scream Queen is, but he's made he's made his reputation off of doing mostly horror and exploitation films. Uh,
1: ever since, I mean, yeah, like the he did a, a good chunk of the black exploitation, but then but it's been a lot of uh, villain roles or bad guy henchmen roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I pulled up the picture of him in the Batman. Uh, dressed as a pirate. Look at him! (laughs) He looks so amazing. And but then now, but like I said, I gotta watch Diamonds Are Forever because you know I'm, uh, you know, good James Bond fan. But it's like I never knew that he he was a part of that movie. So it's like, well, shit. Now I got now I have to watch it. And he's
0: eighty years old now.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's like good. I applaud you, Sid. Very nicely done, and I am ecstatic for Three from Hell. So this was a this was a fun watch seeing uh, young, young Sid Haig.
0: Yeah, it, it'll be fun. I yeah. think, um, although he didn't actually speak in this role, um, which, because, which I was
1: totally fine with,
0: because his character was very mentally stunted. Uh, pro- uh, even though he was a grown man, he still had the mental capacity of a not much more than a toddler I would say a three or four year old
1: well let's let's actually explain kind of what the the premise of the movie is so
0: the premise of the movie is there is uh, there are three siblings they are played by Sid Haig um, Beverly Washburn and Jill Banner uh, Ralph Elizabeth and Virginia all three of them are afflicted with Mary Mary Syndrome which uh, only seems to affect this one particular branch of the Mary family tree so the way that this disease works is it's kind of like a de-evolution disease. So at around 10 years old, like that pre-puberty time, this disease will switch on. And around eight, around that age 10, like puberty age, the mind will start to devolve back towards more of a primitive state. So when you we first meet the three siblings, they're very clearly adults. They're young adults. I would say they're, you know, college-aged adults, but... They are behaving like elementary school kids.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I, I mean, they—I don't—I wouldn't say college. I would say more of like your freshman in high school kind of. No, they
0: were. Co- they I didn't, were, I didn't well, see them. No, they—they yeah. uh, they were described as being minor children, but looking at um, the Elizabeth and Virginia, those girls were not minors.
1: No, no, definitely not minors, but they were described I mean,
0: as minors, minor children.
1: I think well ba- based on that time frame, I think the it, it kind of got swapped up or it uh Mm-mm. I don't know. I, like that I didn't I didn't see them as I don't know, super youngins, or or even older college uh, When I say college but, kids,
0: I mean like 19, 20 years old.
1: Okay. All right, all right. Like
0: when I say why what do you, you think when I say college
1: kids? I I don't know. Like I'm I'm thinking like Very like older kids, like twenty, like twenty five.
0: You should be out of college by the time you're twenty five, unless you're fucking doctor.
1: Well, okay. Yeah. Are you moving on? Are
0: you working on your PhD? No. Your ass needs to be out getting a job (laughs) at twenty five. (laughs) Sorry.
1: Anyway, so you have the married kids.
0: The married kids are afflicted with this disease. That is essentially devolving their brain. Um, it's implied that there's a touch of cannibalism. We come to find out that there are three other family members living in their basement, Uncle Ned, Aunt Clara, and Aunt... Um, I forget who the third one was. But there's two aunts and an uncle that are living in the basement that have pretty much hit the lowest de-evolution point before they drop dead.
1: Well, and with this, they, they mentioned that there could be... Um, uh, touch of the cannibalism, but it's there's actually a uh, psycho, like pathic, uh, killer instinct, and mm-hmm. in that um, and what's uh, very uh, for all three of the kids. It's different because uh, with Virginia, she loves to to play spider. Yep, and her thing is that she wants to catch her prey in the web. And then she attacks. Um, With Elizabeth, she's very much like the annoying, probably the, the less crazy of the three. But she still has those moments where, like, starting off where she's just like, oh, He's gonna get. He's gonna hate you. He's gonna get mad at you for doing this. She just seems like the annoying little sibling that tattles all the time, but then turns around. But she's also that sibling that eggs them on. She's so the middle
0: child. She, and she has to be.
1: Yeah, but she's the one like poking, like go this way, go do this, so that she gets her jollies out of what they're doing, and, right, then, and she and,
0: doesn't get her hands dirty.
1: No, but later on, like she kind of goes, I'm gonna jump in and have fun too. Ralph is the a uh, child that is very slow mentally challenged uh a, a very quiet boy
0: I wouldn't say you know what though weirdly enough like you can call him mentally challenged cuz he doesn't speak but he seems to have all of his faculties i mean he caught that cat pretty fast
1: and that's the that was the kill, like the i think that killer instinct of just that primitive Creature just, just kind of going after after his prey, but when he's actually talking, he or he doesn't talk at all. He just kind of grunts and make noises, and then smiles and just he gestures a lot. But he but you can kind of see that he knows what's going on behind the the curtain. So it's yeah he has an idea. It's just he can't get out what he wants to portray.
0: What's super cool about the the kids, especially, is as the movie goes on. It's almost like you get a visual representation of their brains devolving as they go. Even though we don't get to the point that their aunt, their uncle, and aunts are in in the basement, like they, we don't see them get to the end point. You're what you kind of can see a visual representation of that deterioration because at the beginning of the movie, when we meet them, they're actually all pretty well put together. The kids are clean. Granted, Ralph's clothes don't fit, but they're clean. They're in a fairly decent state. <laughs> The girls have their hair done, um, and they're in cute little dresses. Really, really, um, there's some, like, Lolita fetishy thing going on here. Because, like, these are clearly grown women that are, like, dressed in little girl clothes, and it's kind of odd. Mm. But the, so they've got this baby doll look to them, and then, and like I said, Ralph's clothes don't really fit, but they look good. Like, they're clean and that sort of thing. And then as the movie goes on, they start to become more feral. And eventually, like, once we get to bedtime in the movie, we see that their ha- the girls, their hair gets kind of ratty. Um, Ralph, he, when he's dressed for dinner, like, he's in this, like, vel- crushed velvet short suity thing. Um, I almost expect him to be wearing a twirly, lo- carrying a twirly lollipop with him. Oh, yeah. No, that's
1: totally, totally it. And it
0: doesn't fit is totally ill-fitting, like everything, arms and legs are too long for the whole thing, he can't keep his shirt tucked in, but the pants are split. And then, as we keep going with the girls, like their hair keeps getting mussier, they're a little bit more bedraggled, their behavior starts to amp up, so you get this feeling that they're becoming more feral as the movie goes on and we find out that um, at dinner that they're not allowed to have, they don't have meat, they're vegetarians, simply because the meat accelerates the uh, mary syndrome and but we see ralph like grab a hunk of cat off the plate and then all of a sudden bruno's like oh well he if he can catch it he can eat it and i'm just like "Mm, but he's not a vegetarian which is probably why he's further along and can't speak Mm -hmm. but i'm still like Okay, Yeah. that doesn't make any sense, well, but all
1: right. So we get to see uh, Bruno, who is the children's caretaker playing by uh, Lon Chaney Jr., and I, a lot of the reviews that I read for this movie um, were really praising... Mm -hmm. lon cheney uh saying that this is probably one of his best roles Mm -hmm. and i actually have to uh, agree i mean i really i I know you're not big on the wolfman but i that's probably one of my favorite uh universal monsters because of the way lon cheney played it where you could see where he's very a happy-go-lucky guy and then all of a sudden he realizes what happens and then he goes up shit creek with this um
0: well there's in this movie in spider baby there's a cute little nod to that too when they're all sitting at the dinner table and um and and peter two of the characters are having a conversation about horror movies and the different characters they like and they're talking about dracula and frankenstein and the wolfman and then lon chane and you know cheney's sitting there at the end of it and he makes a comment about oh it looks like there's gonna be a full moon tonight which yeah and that's and that's what it
1: was but he he read it Exactly as he did, mm-hmm. fr- and that it was a, a nice little Easter egg or nod. It was a cute little nod yeah. to his. But other um, work. but yeah, but but with Lon Chaney's uh acting in this one, it was uh, it was nice to see that there was. He was very, like. He was a cool cucumber. Is what it was like when these kids were going nuts or were doing certain things. He never lost it. He, he almost kind of played it off as well. That's just gonna happen and moving on. Go he to the next thing. Had clean it to, up.
0: He had yeah. to because the whole reason he was involved in the first place because he was the family chauffeur. But from what I couldn't I could gather from the story is he was also very close friends with their father. Yes. Who had died. And he, you know, when their dad was sick and taking to death, he Bruno made a promise to them that he would always take care of the kids, and you know he wouldn't do anything to hurt them, whatever. And he took his oath very seriously. Um, to he did, and he ended up explaining that to um, Emily and Peter, to the people that had to come along to try to take the estate because they were the next branch in the family tree that were related and uh even when you know it looked like they were going to try to find a way around um to get rid of bruno he was it still didn't end up working out that way um even it's it's interesting to see the point when bruno kind of like it's qu- it's done quietly, but you can see the character finally snap.
1: And that's and that was the really cool thing about Bruno, just seeing where he's going. He's like the first scene that you that he kind of pops up in. Um, there is a uh, a messenger who has to deliver a letter to the house, uh, stating that the lawyers. Um, And Emily and, uh, well, Aunt Emily and Uncle Peter are going to arrive on the 14th. Well, the
0: Did they ever find do we ever find out what their actual relation was to them? Were they their they were dads?
1: On, I, I don't know if uh, they were just cousins aunts. Yeah. Some they were they were next in line to own the, the estate. But they weren't
0: directly related to their dad at all. I
1: don't I don't know if they ever mentioned that. Okay. But um
0: cuz they called them Aunt Emily and Uncle Peter, but I wasn't sure exactly yeah. what the family connection was.
1: So with um the messenger when he shows up, uh, it's <laughs> he peeks his head into the window and all the to, to, you, know, you know screaming hello is anybody there and then all of a sudden the window shuts down on him and then you see Virginia come out and she's like oh I got a I got a, a nice juicy bug in my web and she comes up with this big net and puts it over him but then she's got two knives and she just starts hacking this poor messenger up. Cutting off his ear and and stabbing him. And later on, uh, Elizabeth – or no, Bruno comes home. Elizabeth comes out, and she's like, oh, you should hate Virginia. And he's just like, we don't hate anybody. You can't – and he's just like very calmly, like hates a bad word. We don't hate. He speaks
0: to them in a a way that like a gentle parent would speak to their four or five-year-old who says stuff like that. But
1: then he he turns around, and he sees – a pair of legs sticking out just dangling out this window mm-hmm. and he's just like okay like it's almost like oh they just you know made a little mess or they spilled a, a you know a cup of juice and it's like oh that's easy to clean up i'm not gonna get mad at her for that yeah and, and then he
0: stuffs the body in the dumbwaiter
1: yeah <laughs> and
0: drops it into the basement
1: meaning that it goes down to the basement where the aunt and uncles are and that's where the, he's feeding them is what it is. I mean, what so, else are you going
0: to do with it? You feed it to your relatives. You keep in the basement.
1: Yeah, so, everybody does it. <laughs> so, but that was the that was a, a cool thing just to see with with Lon Chaney's a, uh, uh, just acting with this movie and this character is just that where one person. He's so accustomed to what he's seeing that it it didn't seem to phase him oh, until he didn't even flinch. No, but then right at the end when uh, so after. He has the realization that there's going to be more lawyers. There's going to be more people trying to take these kids. And he knows that they're not going to be able to be handled in that outside world. Yeah. He, that's when he just snaps. And... Yeah,
0: I think, well, it's because of the behavior of Virginia, especially. I mean, Elizabeth, because she's the homicidal one of the three. Yes. Uh, Ralph's a bit on the rapey side. And Elizabeth, she just eggs them both on. Yeah. So, um, Virginia is the one, she's the biggest threat out of the three because she, Ralph's more like a dog. It, you have to sick him on somebody in order for him to do bad yeah. things. But Virginia takes it upon herself because she she does this funny thing where she doesn't just like to pretend to be a spider. She relates to the spiders, and you can tell. She's got pet tarantulas around the house. Like, she is very obsessed with the idea of the spiders and how they behave and the way that they kill things it's like she even went so far into a, in a couple of instances where she was like where they sucked the juices out when they had attacked Anne and they yeah. were trying to get her on the table in order to bleed her out so she would stop squiggling as yeah. they called it <laughs> and like there was a scene where Elizabeth's trying to do a puzzle and this is how you can really tell the difference between the two girls. Elizabeth's quietly sitting at the table doing a puzzle. And Virginia is sitting on the other side of the table with a chef's knife in her hand, stabbing at the puzzle pieces. And then, a bu- I don't remember if it was a bug or a spider, but something had crawled out from under the box, and she picks it up. She chucks, She just pops it in her mouth and yeah. starts eating the insect and... Like, without so much as a care in the world, she doesn't even bat an eyelash. The only time she's ever phased is when um, Elizabeth tells her that Bruno's going to hate you for this. Yeah. And that's the only time, because I think disappointing Bruno was akin to disappointing their dad for her, and she just didn't like the feeling of yeah. knowing she'd do that.
1: And and all three of the kids did seem to have that, like, where Bruno is the father. Yeah. Like, and they, they respected him as, mm-hmm. as such. And it was just kind of like their just their regular tendencies and they they just couldn't control themselves. And I mean, like hell, like our kids, I tell them all the time not to jump on the couch and yet every damn day, jumping on the couch because that's fun. That's what they want to do. that's what they. There's,
0: but if they're you know, if you want to liken them to a you know a four to six year old because that feels like the age group that they're at that they're all in. There's really no impulse control yet. They're still learning. Like if you look at the child psychology side of it, they're still learning their impulse control. They're still very much driven by those little lizard brains. Yeah. And whatever they're driven by instinct. They're driven by want. They're driven by just whatever their brain says do, they'll do it, which is why a lot of kids like ours, they, they just won't stop jumping on the couch no matter how many times we drag them off or yell at them. Or they they just think... They see a crayon, they see a blank wall, and they go, I'm going to call her on the wall. Even if they're, they've been reprimanded for it a hundred times, some kids, if they're young enough, they still just can't help themselves. And this is where the Mary kids, Mary kids are.
1: And they just have a murdering Yes, Yes, but
0: their drive is, is to murder, or at least hurt. Mur-
1: murder or hurt. And um, I, I guess everything that it started... Was, like, they got the letter from the lawyer uh, saying that there there was going to be the aunt and uncle coming to control the estate. Thanks
0: for the notice, bro.
1: Yeah. They're
0: going to be here later this afternoon. Yeah. You want to give a heads up to a guy? Like, come on now.
1: But no, everything started because a little boy jumped over the Mary's fence and and came in and I guess Ralph attacked him. Virginia uh,
0: wanted to play spider with him.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I remember they mentioned that Ralph attacked him, but then Virginia. I think, but I think it was
0: more uh, Virginia wanted to play spider. I think is what it was because there was a Bruno had a conversation with her after he found the dead mailman and said, "Remember when the kid?
1: That's right. The neighborhood kid Mm -hmm. jumped the
0: wall, and that was kind of where we got a little bit of that. And and they are fucking nuts, like." The whole, you can really, you can very easily poke holes into the whole Mary syndrome, family, mental defect storyline. But it was just, it was a roundabout way of at least putting a new spin on them just being crazy.
1: Well, and and they did say that it was a uh, a cause due to inbreeding. Yes, and they actually. Um, and if
0: you looked at, if you watched how Sid Haig played Ralph, you could be like, "Yeah, don't totally inbred." Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and there's like, and there was a lot of that, or even like Virginia. She, um, she had Uncle Peter up in her room. They were like, she was like, "Oh, let's go play," and he's like, but and Uncle Peter was just like, "Oh, they're just kids. They're great. And, you know, don't you know, you don't have to worry about that." And he was just, you know, really just playing the uncle, just having fun with the kids and. Enjoying his time there, and then all of a sudden she wraps him up in the chair. I and, couldn't decide
0: if Peter was naive or really dumb.
1: Yeah, I, I think he was just trying to just be a super nice uncle to these kids that he's just met from family.
0: I guess. Um,
1: and then, it, but there's so she gets him tied up in the chair, and then she sits in his lap and starts to like kiss on his neck, and she's like, "Do you like that that uh, nice woman, Anne?" And he's the like, yeah, pre- I definitely pre- like her, the pretty lady, the pretty lady. And then she's like, "Do you like me?" And she starts kissing. All- and It's like clearly, it was like, and she
0: pulls up her skirt too.
1: Yeah, so she's like, all she's ready to go. And then uh, turns out that you know they gotta uh, take care of uh, uh, Aunt Emily <laughs> downstairs, but um,
0: Aunt Emily got hers when they were outside. Like, first of all, as far as Emily is concerned, who the fuck? is going to wear a nighty like that when they're just going to bed by themselves. Okay. So you have this whole sheer get-up.
1: It was she- like, it was a very nice lingerie. And this thing was like, I'm going to get some a Wow Wow going.
0: But it was like high-end, too. Yeah. Like, this is the kind we you got wear. The,
1: we got the candles and the berry White. And then Someone
0: th- bought me a steak dinner. <laughs> like, this is the kind of Wait, lingerie you you'd wear. You'd wear
1: that after a steak dinner?
0: If you took me to, like, Ruth Chris or something, probably. Okay, All right. I mean, if you want to spend $80 on a steak dinner, that's dumb.
1: I'll just make you steak. I'm good at cooking. <laughs> but no, but it's just... Uh, yeah, but she was getting scampy. Like,
0: yeah, and she like... You know, because she had her getup that was underneath her, her skirt and her blouse. So she had the garters to hold up her stockings and the whole bit. This is still the early 60s when this was filmed. So, you know, women still wore stockings with some regularity. But like... This was... This was 1960s gratuitous TNA. Yeah. Like, you didn't get what we would get now where we would get full bush. But we've got, like, the super, like, push-up bra and, like, the lacy panties, even though they're, like, a higher waist. It's, like, all these flashes of skin. And then she puts a sheer black robe over the top but of it. But what kills me, and
1: then and then she's, like, modeling it and, and just you know, wisping it in the air and just like, I'm having a great time in this dank ass house that I've never been in. Yeah. Alone alone. with three demented children.
0: But I'm going to put on a fashion show for myself in this skimpy lingerie. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense.
1: While Ralph is scaling the the side of the building to creep through the window to look at her. Not
0: even just scaling the side of the building. He's in the floor above her. He's
1: spider manning this thing. And
0: he's like, crawling down uh, hanging upside down to peep in her window. That's like next level creepy man. Because that takes so much more effort. Oh yeah. And like and he's just watching he's watching this whole time. So we know that Ralph is fully sexually functioning. We can we know that Virginia is fully sexually functioning. Whether or not either of them have given in to those urges, we don't know. Elizabeth, it's not clear because she didn't test those boundaries like the other two did. No. So when Emily sees, she pulls up her, uh, she pulls the curtain aside or she throws a shade. She pulls a shade up and she sees Ralph dangling there looking through her. I would have f- freaked the fuck out too. Like, I don't even care if it's young Sid Haig. He looked weird and he's peeking in the window. And Upside it's down. Just, and it's, it's just, yeah, it's. With a big goofy ass <laughs> smile on his face so she's booking it hauling ass out of the house into the field she's being chased by all the kids because they're like she's gonna go tell on us yeah and they go to chase her down finally ralph manages to run her down and all we hear are like grunts and groans from because it's below the the sight line of the camera and i'm like fucking emily's getting raped right now
1: well, that's that was the thing is I I mean I guess it's one of those like you could imply it as uh, that she was getting getting raped. I took it as she just got knocked out because, but uh, and, and the moment the, the little grunt and the moment was just because like she's got tackled to the floor. But and but then you got Virginia that she comes over and she's like, "Hey, Elizabeth, come look," and it, and then it just cuts to the next scene. So it's like, yeah, you could it really opens it up for. What were they doing? And uh, Emily wasn't killed. No. Like she came back later at the at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. and to
0: come take her revenge on Ralph, I guess. I don't know. Yeah,
1: and so it's like okay, maybe, it, and yeah, it's like Ralph must have done something, but it's like we don't know.
0: As all, staring
1: and what as what as he if did peeping but.
0: through her window wasn't inappropriate enough, like. It just got so much yeah. worse from there.
1: But uh, but on top of that, so Emily is running through these woods in her lingerie. In her lingerie, while you got two teenage girls or young young adult girls however you want to put yeah. them, um running around chasing her with not two knives each.
0: Yeah.
1: Four four sets of <laughs> four knives coming at you, Yeah. And then you got one crazy ass ball headed some bitch. I was like, that would be horrifying. Yeah, and it's he uh, kind
0: of he kind of has like a Kermit the Frog vibe because he's all skinny arms and legs.
1: And <laughs> yeah, and and he's always hunched over and he had his head down and it's just the it yeah. was it was really and, and he's always smiling, just having a good time. So it's whatever's it going was, on in that noggin
0: of his is clearly yeah. amusing him.
1: Yeah, but um, one of the things that I, uh, as, as I'm watching this movie, I it hit me that this was kind of one of those movies that if any type of uh, director uh, watched it previously, this would be, I, I took this as a spin on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the Adams Family, and then this would be a great setup point for the House of Thousand Corpses. Like, if you took... Because
0: the, they're kind of like the fireflies?
1: They are like the fireflies. And uh, the whole thing with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is just that old, run-down house with, you know, cannibals. Everything
0: and, in that um, house was dead. Yes. Everything was dead Except stuffed. for the owl.
1: The owl wasn't dead. That thing was live, and it scared the shit out of you. <laughs> You're like, oh, there it is. There's a of thing. I was thing. <laughs> waiting for
0: it, too. I'm like, because they were making the... Whoever framed the shots was making a concerted effort to put a lot of attention... On the, the taxidermy mm-hmm. in the house, I'm like one of these fuckers is gonna be alive, and it, it- finally was. There was a horned owl that was like, <laughs> big ol' <"Pool>
1: eyes. <laughs> <laughs> big ol' eyes. I was like, our-
0: there it is. There's the live one. Yeah. It and it flew away.
1: But, but yeah, no, I, 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 it felt very much like the Adams family mixed with uh, at this time like a like a Texas chainsaw mask or
0: Yeah, I can I can see where you can draw those a lot of the influences it's like it had
1: that little that. bit of the, the lightheartedness and a little bit of the comedy that it, the is, considered a, family it is considered
0: a black comedy like yes uh to a degree because there are some things where you if you're not too disturbed you could chuckle at yeah because it's it's absurd well,
1: and even the music the music is very upbeat and it's oh, very no, very there was a the whole
0: scene towards the end of it where you could hear them playing the itsy bitsy spider instrumental yes
1: Yeah, so, I mean, there's very upbeat, lighthearted, but with that twist of the darkness, and then all of a sudden, like, you get the cannibal murderers, um, like, because there was a scenes with uh, Virginia and Elizabeth, where they were trying to figure out what to do, I I think it was the same scene you were talking about, where... um, She's talking about, or Virginia's saying, oh, he looks like a big, fat, juicy spider. A juicy bug. A, a juicy bug. I just want to drain the bug. And, and then all of a sudden, they're just like, let's go get him. And then are just like, ah, and like they get crazy eyes on him. And they're just, they're in for the kill. And it's just like, uh, uh fuck no. I'm out of here. Oh, going after, the, going after the
0: attorney. Yeah. yeah and they're like, yeah.
1: nope, peace out. I was actually,
0: the attorney gets is the one who gets it first. Mr. Oh, my God. Uh, Mr. Schlocker.
1: And Schlocker was I'm the always, worst. I'm
0: always glad to see the, and I did it in Jurassic Park. The attorney was the first one to get it. Like, anytime it's the lawyer, I'm like,
1: yay. Dude, but, no, okay. I was happy that the lawyer got it. If but- any, of
0: my, any lawyer friends out there are listening to this, sorry. But in movies, they're kind of sucky.
1: <laughs> okay. and um, <laughs> In this, I actually noted that he was my least favorite character in this movie just because of the way he died. Because really? Really? <laughs> yes so yeah.
0: oh yeah it was so,
1: pretty bad <laughs> so he alright so he's the one that's walking around look like he's scoping out the house oh he's, and he's so
0: nosy yeah and he's digging uh, through drawers and cabinets yeah and,
1: and he's the one that's looking at all the taxidermy and all of a sudden the, that, that owl shows up and he's just stone faced just not scared at all you figure it as like okay an actor that's supposed to scare the audience so it's supposed to scare that guy he's no. just like alright cool it's an owl and then he just walks away <laughs> And then he turns around, and that's when when the girls are, are you know, they're inches from stabbing him. He's like, "Oh, this isn't this isn't good. I don't really like this." And I'm you know, and he's like starting to oh, like it's so terrible. And he's rattling off all these things that you would not be saying if someone was coming to stab you.
0: Yeah, like I'm going to report you to the authorities or something I Think it was one of the lines he said. Yeah.
1: Like,
0: but it was the way it was delivered too. It wasn't like there's it was no
1: like, panic, no first fear. of all.
0: The appropriate thing is, I'm going to call the cops. Like, I'm not... It's not, I'm going to report you to the authorities. It's like, I'm going to call the fucking cops on you.
1: No, no, no. The first words, it should be like, no, get that fucking knife away from me. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then, and then, run, 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 no. run, run, run.
0: Oh, but he was so pathetic, even going up the stairs. and He was like, ugh.
1: Yeah. Like, I would have taken the girls that run in the woods and trip over sticks over this fucker, because... Him is just, uh, like, oh, like, I'm gonna report you to the police. And then stab. No scream. No nothing. Just, you're you're fired. Get out of here.
0: The, uh, well, he was also the one where we first met Uncle Ned. Yeah. And the two aunts. Um, the, Ugh yeah, and now I was...
1: He was awful. But
0: it's like I, I wanted him to die because he was so terrible, but the way he died was so unsatisfying.
1: Un, yeah, it was empty calories at that point. It was
0: nothing. I'm like, what? Yeah. Well, the the thing is, is, I don't know if it's because of the censorship laws or whatever at the time to make sure they got whatever the appropriate rating was. It still sat in development hell for three years, so I guess it didn't matter. But there was no on-screen blood. There was no on-screen deaths. You saw Virginia get stabby, but you didn't see a person getting stabbed. Like, it was a POV shot with the camera, essentially. So there's zero gore in this movie. There's a lot of implied death because there's a lot of people getting stabbed and cut up and eaten. But there's no real... You don't see it happening.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, when um, the delivery man, the messenger, uh, is hanging in the window and getting slashed up, he's the first person to die. Um, He's getting cut up. But you just see... You either see Virginia like flailing the knives around or you get a shot of the back end of the messenger hanging out of the window
1: well you don't see the actual violence you see his legs like freaking out and, and, and and twitching
0: and then you see them stop twitching yeah
1: and then um later on like so like a few moments later you see his ear fall to the floor and that was their Ooh, gross. That was probably the
0: goriest part of the whole movie was the pros- the weird prosthetic ear. Yeah, yeah. Um, that
1: a, Virginia kept in a box.
0: She did. It was like her little keepsake. It was so yeah. silly.
1: But, uh, and then when she went to go get the ear, the only time that you saw the blood was when they were mopping it up. So yeah. she she did cut him up pretty good to where he was bleeding. And Yeah, but that um, was after
0: Bruno made them clean up their mess. Yeah. Um, so, again, you don't, actually see any on-screen violence. It's all cutaways or implied in some way. Um, Same thing with um, who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Um, With Schlocker. He's really the only other one we see um, get murdered by one of the kids. Emily gets dragged down and taken by Uncle Ned and the aunts. So her death, again, was more implied. You just see her get tugged on um and then peter and Anne both get away uh at the end of it so there's only two deaths in this whole movie right don't yep. I, did I count that right so there's two deaths and it's not bloody and it's not gory no it's all sort of it's actually very neat this is the neatest horror movie i've seen
1: like <laughs> well i mean it, it's also wise. it's also back it, it's a, it's an older movie So I mean a lot of those movies would They would do that Where it's like you're not getting the You, you get an implied um, An implied kill So they kind of get your imagination running um, But I mean other than that I mean it's still like Virginia and Elizabeth really sold on They, they put the seasoning on the steak is Yeah they was. really did yeah.
0: But they didn't have any blood on their nightgowns either
1: Nope Very clean No Very clean All right,
0: Um, I think this is the point where we can go ahead and take a quick break uh, to get in a word from our sponsors. We will be right back. All right, and we're back, guys. Um, So Peter and Anne, somehow throughout all of this chaos, they managed to work in a cute little romance. (laughs) So... It was
1: cute. I couldn't tell if Peter... Uncle Peter and Aunt Emily were married, or if they were to happen to be siblings, or what, mm-hmm. because there was absolutely no love connection whatsoever, or even like uh, a hint that they were married, unless you mentioned uh, because um, Anne, uh, oh no, no, Emily was going to stay behind, Anne was going to go. To, to a hotel. motel, Peter was going to go ahead and take her. So,
0: well, the only reason Anne was there is because she was Schlocker's secretary.
1: Yes, and uh, Peter mentions to uh, Virginia and Emily or Elizabeth saying that, uh, "Oh, it's okay. It's uh, you don't have to worry about it. It's it's you know the only time that you know you really have to worry about Emily is if you're you know." in the same room with her. And he just kind of makes a crack that she's kind of hard to be around. Yeah, So it's like, if I you think don't have to worry about it. I think when
0: they first drive up, when they were in the car, I thought they might have been together, like a married couple. But then as time went on and I saw how their dynamic was, I realized they were probably, and this is just from what... A, you know, what I saw out of them, they were probably just estranged brother and sister. Like they probably were the kind of siblings that just, they hated being around each other. They were two very different people. Um, Emily was a total shrew. Like she was really, really hard to deal with. Yeah. Um, and then Peter was that super like kickback affable kind of guy. Like, ah, let's go have a beer. I'll be your buddy. Yeah. Like he was nice to everybody. wanted to be everybody's friend. Uh, and I just think they got on like oil and water and they wanted nothing to do with each other. But because they were the next two in line for this estate, they kinda had to deal with each other and put up with each other like, you know, Christmas time at mom and dad's. Yeah.
1: So but yeah, they uh it was nice to see with the with Anne and Peter and it actually stuck. Mm-hmm. Um so the first uh person that we see in the movie is Peter And he's telling the story of the married kids. Um, Almost like as if it's in a storybook of sorts.
0: Uh, It's kind of like, more like the beginning of the Rocky Horror Picture Show.
1: Very much so. Where we've got the
0: narrator with the storybook. And then you kind of get into the story. Although it doesn't cut, he bookends it. He doesn't cut, there's no cutaways in the middle of the movie. But like, it bookends with Peter. Like, here's the beginning of the story. And this is what happens at the end. And now I have my cute little family. And... It's just, it's weird. Um, I wasn't, I couldn't tell if I liked him or not, though.
1: He was a, he kind of seemed like an, a little bit of an empty character. Just because uh, he didn't pull any, the only time that I actually felt where he was just like, okay, no, screw this. Is when he was getting, uh, or when he was captured. Virginia had him tied the chair. Yeah, by Virginia, and she was necking on him. And it was just, kind of, like, he, you could just tell he was just like, okay, I'm I'm done. But even then, he was still, like, I don't know if he was just trying to, just
0: trying to preserve
1: me. himself. Yeah. Because she was, uh, she's like, oh, well, like, do you like me? And then he's just, well, like, you could tell that he was trying to, like, he was starting to back off. He was like, okay, kid, get the hell off me. But then she was feeling bad, so he was trying to make her feel good. And he was like, no, no, I like you. I like you. And you can just see his eyes rolling. He's just like, oh, this is bullshit. Yeah. And then and then later on, like she, or then like moments later, she comes to stab him. And then that's when Elizabeth stops. And he's just like, oh,
0: shit. It got really that was real, real. It was really real. Yeah.
1: But it, that was the only time that I felt uh, a real connection or a worry about Peter. Because every other time, it was just like, he was their buddy. He was...
0: He was kind of... He's sort... It seemed like he was going to be set up to be our hero. But he was such a nothing. Like, he was a handsome guy. Yeah. Um, Quinn, Quinn is was a very handsome man. And it's like, okay, so we got that. So it looks like he's going to be our hero. And yeah, we get this cute little romance, but it's a nothing part of the story. It's fluff. It doesn't need to be there. If it's missing, it's not going to break the story.
1: I think if if they did make him more of the heroic uh, character, uh, where he was going to come in and, and stop the kids or, or well, what have it, you.
0: If, yeah, I mean, the only other... Or at
1: least stop the kids from hurting Anne and making it, I'm going to save Anne, not, oh, we're going <laughs> to... It's like we'll, we'll get we'll get towards the end because I want to talk about the the ending with with Bruno. But yeah, it's like when he comes down, they just
0: no. It's not that of, it's <laughs> not that Bruno's off. just like go get her, get her, and get out of the house now. And that's and all then that they get it is. The and house. then he's like, and he, they're just scrambling to leave. And I'm like, okay, but he's if if it wasn't for at the end where you know he and Anne were to have this child together and because the the movie starts with is like uh the mary he talked a little bit about the mary syndrome and then he's like and the bloodline died out 10 years ago and that's when he starts breaking into the story so then uh where we're at when we're talking to peter like in our present time 10 years had gone by and he had had a child with anne at this point and it's at the that's the only thing is to be the hook where it's like the end question mark, like is his daughter afflicted with Mary syndrome or and, not?
1: and they uh, they really set that up nicely at the end because she
0: kinda looks like Virginia. She does. A little bit. And,
1: and a little bit like Ralph.
0: Yeah.
1: Um so it's uh they didn't they it wasn't like oh like Ralph Impregnated and or anything no, like that. No, 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 no. But it was a thing of they are genetically related. They are, and they that's where they mention that his side of the family never had it, and the other side of them. So he was a Mary, and his bloodline did, you know, was a part of them. It was allegedly clean. It allegedly. So at the end, you see the the little ten year old girl. She's walking in the yard, and then she walks up these little steps, and then she's dead center to the camera, and then just like. Yeah, you know, she's looking down and then just looks, just just her eyes look up and you can just see. She's
0: looking at a spider.
1: Yeah, and then, the, yeah, then the camera pans and you and see that's, the spider. But that's, and it's the, like, that's cool.
0: That's the only other purpose for Peter because he's such a nothing throughout the whole yeah. thing. Is he served as our narrator and he served as the p- possible hook at the end, and it's like, and that's it. But there were so many other ways you could do could do that without inserting this other character. I maybe. Like, it just, the whole thing just kind of, if he wasn't such a nothing in the middle, it probably, the ending probably would have had a bit more punch to yeah, it. Yeah, they
1: they needed to give him a little bit more to do. Um, he if, didn't have
0: any, he had nothing to do. Yeah. Except to, except to, to watch. To be nice.
1: Be the nice guy. And
0: to, to watch this romance between him and Anne start to come together because they went to a bar and they kind of had a date. Yeah. So, and driving drunk, also. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, don't do that, kids. That's terrible. So drunk. Both of them. They were totally smashed. And then they they got there late and the motel was full up. And they're like, well, guess we got to go back. It's like...
0: And it's like... And then they almost get into a wreck with Bruno.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. Speaking of driving. So, at the beginning of the movie, you see Peter and Emily. And they're driving to the Mary place. And it's that... You know, your typical movie shots where um you know they they got the the screen behind them showing the the cars uh you know just driving along (laughs) but so peter is uh complaining to emily that she is like she needs to watch her driving and she's driving horribly and, and she's like, oh, I'm not driving horribly. Like, if you wanted, like, to drive, you could have. And, and they're just bitching and moaning at each other. But then as you're watching the movie, she is literally all over the road. She's on the, 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 the oncoming traffic side. Then she moves over, and then she's in the dirt. And I'm like, oh, my God, she is driving horribly. It's not just that little shitty line of, oh, women drivers are, are terrible. Like, this woman was a terrible driver. And, oh, and when she's going in oncoming traffic there's a car that's actually like coming their way and it's about to hit them and it's just like come on emily
0: yeah it, this was this was kind of I, a little eye rolly for me yes it was the 60s and yes there was still a lot of that very explicit misogyny thing going on but i was like i was like terrible woman driver you went with that fucking cliche really yeah.
1: no but <laughs> She was a terrible woman. No, she driver. was a terrible
0: driver. <laughs> but it was going with that cliche that oh, women can't drive. It's like if you know what would have won up is if she was Asian too. Like, <laughs> do we really have to play with this shit? Come on now.
1: Yeah. So, but that was that was kind of funny for me just because I was like, oh my god, she's literally all over the road. <laughs> can't get to get it together. But oh, um, for
0: real though, but she was a bad driver. But yeah,
1: it's like I almost wish they would have really kind of put more into. What the relationship between uh, Peter and Emily were um, on top of it making him a little bit more of a heroic character for Anne to make that last little impact that just that little that step further. And I think
0: I think the my head canon says they're brother and sister and they just hate each other. I'm gonna go with that because okay. there's nothing else to prove otherwise. And um, but Emily, I mean, besides being horrible be around jesus she um i think the only purpose she was there to serve was to kind of set the kids off because she she and the attorney rubbed the kids the wrong way so badly that they were like we're just gonna retaliate
1: oh yeah yeah and they were they were just uh that i think uh elizabeth and virginia were talking about that Mm -hmm. about they're like oh what are we gonna do to them
0: yeah we don't We don't like them. They're going to tell. Yeah. There was a lot of that going on where they were like, these are bad people. They're going to tattletale on us and we're going to get in trouble or we're going to get taken away from Bruno. Yeah. That seemed to be where the thought process
1: was. Yeah. But there was, um, with Emily, it was very much your, it's kind of like that old bitty, you know, in a lot of those movies where she's just the old town bitch (laughs) <laughs> but she was
0: sexy somehow, yeah,
1: but it was she just so had weird. That, she just had that um or uh best way that I can describe it is a-, Ker- uh, a Kerrigan from um casper
0: yes
1: that's her Just she, so
0: abrasive she
1: wanted the estate and she wanted to or, or like she inherited this house and Whatever um, the cost. Yeah, so that's that's how I felt it was. Well, you know what?
0: If you're going to bring that up, you know what would have made this movie much, like added an extra layer of better and charming was Eric Idle.
1: Oh, my, Eric Idle a, is a treasure in my house.
0: Yeah, no. I love would, Eric Idle. You know Idle. what? I'm, I'm going to, like, in my head, I'm going to insert him into this movie, and it's going to be so much better. <laughs> He's
1: Peter. <laughs> He's Peter. <laughs> That's fantastic. I Sorry, love... Quinn
0: Redeker, you're handsome, but your character was useless. At least if it was Eric Idle, it would at least be funny, <laughs> and he was adorable. In the early days of Monty Python, he was the cutest little thing. Well, just like
1: he's... I I adore Eric Idle. Yeah, like, you know this. I watched Monty Python like crazy. Yeah, so no, I'm he's wonderful. all about Eric Idle. Nope,
0: that just made the movie better.
1: Done. <laughs> but yeah, so um, one thing that I wanted to kind of go on was um, with uh, Bruno where I mentioned earlier he his demeanor was very much of a he's so desensitized to anything the kids are doing yeah and then turning around I was actually very surprised that he kind of seemed that he wanted to keep the kids away from from everybody and keep them sort pretty much hidden but then when the uh, Aunt Emily and Aunt, uh, Uncle Peter show up. He just tells them flat out, "Nope, Everything. this is what's happening. Like I'm not. There's no reason to hide it. I'm. You, they're, they're basically, re, re, you know, returning back to a primitive primitive state, and then they could possibly kill. There's. I
0: think there's a couple. <laughs> I think there's a couple reasons for that. I think because he knew." That the state was going to try to take them from him, and he knew that it was dangerous it was also breaking a promise to their father. it also um, wasn't going to serve the kids well either, like he was looking out there was like this it, trying to keep everybody's interests involved and he and he knew deep down in his heart that the in the best interest for every potential party is to have, if the kids were taken away, it was just going to be bad the whole way around.
1: Yeah. So, uh, because
0: no, he's the only one who really understands them.:
1: Oh too. no, I mean uh, hands down, but and uh, even uh, after he tells Uncle Peter about the situation, uh, the lawyer he, he turns around and he's like you're, the, you're their caretaker, you are their driver how, how are you anywhere near qualified or you know eligible to take care of these kids
0: Ugh, fucking state and that, that's that doesn't matter. no. It has his position in life has nothing to do with whether or not he's capable of taking care of the kids because we don't know how long dad's been dead. Yeah. It's been said it was a few years, but there's no like definitive time period for how long dad's been dead, however. We can guess by the state of the skeletons <laughs> Skeleton. that Virginia fucking tucks into bed. What was that? I'm gonna go tuck Daddy in. That's
1: where I came across with my yeah. with that idea of that would be where the House of Thousand Corpses kind of came into play because they had all that shit in there, and maybe not as like uh, uh, nice and sweet as I'm gonna like goodnight, Daddy, and then leans over and they don't even show Virginia kissing him. They just show like see her leaning forward out of the camera and then back, and then when she walks out, the camera pans over to show the corpse in the It's a skeleton
0: bag. in pajamas. <laughs> it's
1: like, that's fucking brutal. Yeah, but you, Love you can't really...
0: It. But the quality of the video, because we... It's in the public domain, so we were able to watch it for free on YouTube. But the quality of the video is not great because it's never. I don't. I don't know if it's ever gotten a remaster in any way. I, I
1: can guarantee you that that's probably not a remaster. At
0: least, well, obviously not the YouTube version of it. But I don't <laughs> no. know if a remastered version exists on disc somewhere. But that's what we ended up watching it. So at first, I'm like, what am I looking at? Because it's so fuzzy and the film is so grainy because it's so old. I'm just like, is that? Is that a body? What yeah. And then you're leaning over and you're like I think that's a body and I'm like holy shit she just kissed her dead dad and then you can kind of make out the decomposition which is all of it. It is mm. bones now. So daddy's been dead for a while and that means that the girls have, or at least Virginia, has been tucking daddy into bed as a dead corpse for years.
1: Yee. Yeah, that's and that's where. It, but I
0: swear that like, they, the banana sandwich
1: goes goes completely off the rails. It's
0: nuts. But like the whole thing of like that entire house, anything that dies in that house, it doesn't leave. They got they had a stuffed golden retriever at the base of the stairs. Like if it died in that house, they're finding a way yeah. to keep it there.
1: But and and that's where uh, I think a lot of that the stuff that was being. Uh, you know taxidermy i think that was ralph's kills i I think some of them had to be be pets too that that too i mean i I don't know if if bruno would ever let them Well, besides the spiders but i mean a lot of the stuff i could just see it it looked a lot of uh wilderness kind of animals that you know local wilderness so I, i could see ralph going out and killing them and then I don't know, uh, man. It
0: just... It, I don't know. For all intents and purposes, anything that went in that house was not coming back out. Um, but back to Bruno. Uh, yeah, it was... He took it upon himself. He he felt... He loved those kids. And he felt close to them. So he, he felt it was his duty, not just as a promise to their dad, but I think he wanted to take care of them.
1: Yeah. On some level. And, and I almost feel like, uh, they, uh, as far as the writing goes, that... With Bruno, he kept mentioning that, the promise that he made to Mr. Mary, and it's a little part of him is like, yeah, I know he was the chauffeur and stuff, but it's like, what was their relationship? Like, how far was that relationship? And on top of that, with Mr. Mary, it's like, what did he do? What, like, how, because that house was a really big estate, and uh, Uncle Peter mentioned that he got the estate, and, you know, he's sitting pretty now. It so, was worth. Yeah, so that's he, where the the Adams family thing comes into play because it's like, oh, it's a big dank house, but they are rich as shit. Yeah, they,
0: he he's he said he inherited the fortune or whatever, but he's he didn't know to what extent that fortune went. And then yeah, he's he said he was pretty comfortable. And I'm just none of that's told. It's this is definitely one of those just a a point to b point stories. You're not going to get a lot of extra detail. That's not. Yeah, totally
1: necessary to the plot. But, I mean, Bruno was so dedicated. And it was on a level of, like, Alfred to Bruce Wayne. Yeah, it's and, and
0: at, the, <laughs> at the dinner scene, where they're sitting there and they're all talking, and any time it turned to talk of the kids, or having to remove the kids, or doing something with the house, or ownership of the house and those sorts of things, like, Bruno was right on top of it with his explanations, and that was kind of, I think, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think Peter was such a nothing character because he's supposed to be the audience avatar. Yeah. He's our eyes in the story. So, um, that's why he was just, he had nothing going for him. But we're getting all this information at the dinner table about what the disease does and a little bit of the family tree and when the lawyer asks about oh where's the extended family we know that mr mary we don't get the dad's name but we'll just call him mr mary we know that he had other family members where are they and bruno said they're being taken care of elsewhere but we all know that two aunts and an uncle live down in the basement because they cannot be out amongst sane peoples yeah And, uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, Lon, in the earnestness, uh, the earnestness that Lon Chaney Jr. played this character, you really could feel for him. And you could feel his dedication to kids, but you could also feel how tired he was. Yeah. Like, that weight. Like, it was just, there was this whole, a good chunk of the movie, you could just feel the weight of having to having to explain these kids and take care of them and clean up their very large, very, uh, what's the word? Homicidal messes.
1: Yeah.
0: Homicide was the word I was looking for. Like having to do all that, like that has to be wearing on a man. So when he finally comes up with his plan and finally figures out how he's going to deal with all of this, you can watch his face gets a little bit brighter. The weight comes up off his shoulders. Like, there's this sense of relief that comes over him when he decides what he's going to do. Yeah. To, to deal with this problem.
1: Well, and that that was... Seeing that scene was...
0: I mean, it wasn't easy to watch. It, it
1: wasn't, but it was one of those... You you could definitely tell that man was on a mission. Nothing was going to change it, and...
0: On a mission from Gad... Yeah.
1: Um, so... And it was it was because he had that realization where after uh, he saw the lawyer dead, and after he knew that something happened to Aunt Emily, uh, and he saw Anne in the basement too. Like he comes down there, and the kids are attacking. Well, it's, cha-
0: it's chaos down there. If, yeah,
1: they're they're attacking Anne. Um, Emily has shown up, and she has attacked Ralph. And hurt. I, I don't know if she killed him or what it was, but she hurt him. She like, they, they said that that he hurt him, but I didn't know she hurt
0: him. But um, she stood up at one point, and Uncle Ned pulled her into the pile and started yeah. to eat and her.
1: Yeah, and yeah, that was crazy too. Is like so th- the two aunts and the uncle are chowing down on some Aunt Emily.
0: Yeah, and then um, Peter, who was tied, Human happy. He milk. was upstairs, tied, uh, tied to the chair, because Virginia was playing spider with him. He has tarantulas coming at him and by the way these tarantulas were like they're not anything to be afraid of i was like these aren't i mean if you're afraid of spiders you're afraid of spiders it's yeah, not really yeah. Do. they're just big and they're fuzzy but he freaks out and he takes a flip backwards and he falls down the basement stairs and the chair shatters so like there's it's just fucking chaos
1: yeah and at that point where you can see bruno where he's just like I don't but, even care at this point. But it's he just... liked
0: Anne and he liked Peter just fine. So that's why when he's.
1: So his master plan is that he went to this offsite bunker of sorts, opens it up, and then drives, like, hauls ass back, and he sees the chaos that's going on, and he's down inside the basement as the aunts and uncles are eating Aunt Emily. Uh, Ralph is knocked out. Uh, Elizabeth and, and Virginia are like, oh, are you going to hate us? Like, don't hate us. And he's like, I don't hate you. And, you know, you did nothing. You know, yeah, it's, it's, and he
0: kept saying, I promised your father I would never hate you yeah. or any of that stuff. And
1: you could just see the, the pain and – you can see that pain and relief all in one. And that's where I, I actually agree with those reviews where that is a mm-hmm. great acting job by Lon Chaney because mm-hmm. you could see all that. But – He's going to blow up the fucking house with he dynamite. Had
0: fucking dynamite. <laughs> and at this point, the point Peter falls down backwards down the basement stairs, the fuse has already been lit.
1: Yeah, and he's just pinning. He's like, you better get out of here.
0: Like, he's trying to pat the fire out, and it's not stopping. <laughs> so he's like you better get your girl and get the fuck out of here and like and he's like hurry up you better hurry up and peter's like we're going we're going as fast as we can he's like dragging ann up the stairs and the girls are standing there sitting there next to bruno and they're like ooh what's it gonna do and he said and just like you would describe like a fireworks show to kids "Ooh, it's gonna be bright lights and a big bang and they're like oh thinking this is gonna be some fantastic show it's a murder-suicide, and he's taking the whole house with him. Oh, my
1: God. Like, And, and they all you see is Peter and Ann running out towards the front of the, the property, and then you just see the, the big the boom. bang and the, and the flash of light. And I was just like, holy crap. Like, that's... Like, he didn't just go in and just... Like,
0: well, that, it was like four or five sticks of dynamite bound together on one fuse, and it was like the kind you would use at a blastite, blast site, at yeah. a mine or a quarry, well, and and, that, and
1: that's where he went. He went to a quarry into a, uh, the the uh, the storage bunker. So and it's uh, just that was he wanted to make sure crazy. He
0: wanted to make sure no one was walking out of that alive.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it, but it was just like but seeing Peter, he's just like he's like you better get out of here. Like this is, but it's one of those like yeah yeah he had nothing against Peter and he's just like um you guys are nice
0: you should go now get
1: to moving. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's like he was gonna take those kids because I'm sure he, he would have. I'm
0: sure if Emily and um, Schlocker were alive, he would have offered the same. Oh yes. for them to leave. Yeah,
1: child. he had, there was no. He was one of those guys where it's like I'm. These kids are not going anywhere, and they can't. They can't live out in the, in the real world, and no one else can take care of them. I'm gonna end it because I'm just gonna stop it here. That that was his whole plan, and. Because he, I, as you said, he was just tired, and just beaten, and and the, like even though he was desensitized, it was just it's like he it, just come home and
0: like the look there on there it is again the look on his face when he finds a mailman hanging out of dead mailman hanging out of a window it's like great another one to clean up like it's yeah. just
1: that <sighs> like I said it's like it's when you go when you come home to kids and you just, oh they made a mess again. Got to clean it up.
0: Yeah, but this is homicide's a little different than like yeah. spilled drinks and dirty dishes.
1: Uh, agreed. By
0: like a lot. <laughs> agreed.
1: Very much so. <laughs> but he
0: is—he is tired, and having mm. to care for homicidal maniacs is got to be wearing for even the strongest of people. Yeah. So it's a lot. Um. But he Bruno's the only character that I really felt something towards, like. Yeah, I guess the kids were okay. But
1: As far as the acting goes, he had the yeah. he had the most layers.
0: And weirdly enough, I think Ralph was supposed to be the creepy kid because he didn't couldn't speak and he was the most sort of inbred rednecky type. The girls were leaps and bounds creepier. Yeah. The way that they spoke and the way that they behaved, especially Virginia, where she was just like Let's go play. Like mm-hmm. it was Gage in Pet Cemetery, creepy. <laughs>
1: yeah, yes, she was. But yeah, I mean, there's.
0: Do you want to play spider with me? Yeah. Yeah, it was
1: too much. <laughs> well, and and because she had probably the out of all three kids the most tendencies to murder and and do her, so that it made her even. Yeah, it was... and, and, and her eyes are crazy as shit yeah so and then
0: once once her hair started to get really tangled and matted and like she was of the two girls virginia was the more disheveled of the two to even begin with yeah so she was the wild child for sure um and even though elizabeth was the most pulled together you could kind of make her more of like the charles manson type like she never got her hands dirty but she was perfectly happy to instigate yeah and then Ralph was just a dog who was trained to obey commands.
1: Looking for a bone. You s- sick him. Yep. And he's
0: like, okay, we'll do. Yeah. Although I, I, it did look like he made a mean cat
1: roast. Yeah, and, and they pass it off as a rabbit.
0: <laughs> well, like, no, they're not. Kind of. Uh, no, Peter, that,
1: that's what they did. They like well, they P- cooked the rabbit. Peter, they cooked
0: Peter asked if it was rabbit. It, and they just said, yep. And, uh... Yeah, and then Bruno makes a comment about how you know if Ralph catches it or will eat it or something like that. It's whatever Ralph can catch, and I was just like, "Mm-hmm, yep,
1: that's Kitty."
0: That's Kitty. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's nice to see that our two cats are nowhere to be found for this conversation. Yeah. Good job, boys. <laughs> um, so this being your pick, what, what do you? What kind of a rating do you give this one?
1: I'm gonna give this one. I'm gonna give this one a two point five.
0: Yeah,
1: it's gonna be pretty low on the spectrum. I liked it, but there were things with this movie that it was very slow, mm. and it, the the with all the characters that that were in it, uh, with like you know Schlocker and Emily, they were all awful, but. It was, with the writing, I feel like, I mean, Schlocker, like, he died, but he needed to die a lot better than that. Um, Uh, Yeah. And then with Emily, uh, she was awful, but she never really did anything that was super negative towards the kids. No, she was just abrasive to be around. Yeah, she was just terrible to be around. Um, And it was one of those things, I, I felt like it's like she should have been after the kids. Or something, you know, just to kind of make them be like, oh, no, we definitely hate her. Um, and that would have made it a little bit more impactful, you know, once she got whatever she got. Um, yeah,
0: instead of just being rude, like if she beat them or something, when no one was looking. Exactly, She yeah. said nasty things to them when Bruno wasn't around. Yeah. Or did something more to provoke them besides just being kind of rude. Because
1: she was after their state, but she never really engaged with with anybody except for Bruno, right you know or uh, or like whenever they were at dinner she didn't want to eat the dinner because it looked god awful. No, she
0: pulled snacks out of her purse instead. Yeah,
1: but it it was nothing that was like okay yeah, she's just a bitch, but it's nothing that was engaging with kids enough for them to kill. Or in in that aspect they were just going to kill anybody that, that was in their house anyways. Right. But um I mean, I I'm giving it a 2.5 just because mainly because of Lon Chaney Jr. Like, he was... I give the movie a 2.5, but I give him a 4. Like, he's he's high, high level on this thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? Strike that. I'm giving it a solid 3.
0: Just split the difference. I'm
1: omitting it. I'm giving it a solid 3 yeah. on this one. Just just because of Lon Chaney uh, Jr. So, I mean, it's he was fantastic. And um, the woman that played Virginia... Um, I forget her uh, name.
0: Jill... Jill Banner.
1: Jill Banner, she was also great. Like because of her craziness, she made the movie extremely creepy. Sid Haig, yeah, it was a little offsetting with the rednecky, you know, mentally challenged kid, but um, it, it was kind of a, a, a not as impactful as Virginia was. So, and I do love me some Sid Haig smile. So that was good. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, there are a little bit slow parts in there, but once they got into those creepy bits, it really started to sell it for me, so.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'm giving this a two out of five skulls, Be, and it's mostly because of Chaney. If it, if it was anybody else, um, if it wasn't, or, or if Chaney didn't play Bruno the way that he did, I would probably give this movie a one out of five.
1: And that's actually a... I mean, I'm glad that you enjoyed the Cheney thing because you actually did, did not like Cheney at all in The Wolfman. So. It had
0: nothing to do with Cheney's performance. I just thought The Wolfman in itself was boring. Okay. Right. The movie was boring. <laughs> like, it didn't matter who was wearing the fur.
1: Oh, no, but I remember you you mentioning that Cheney was, was a boring character. So
0: No, it's not so much Cheney. It's the whole thing. Oh, okay. But we'll probably do The Wolfman at a later date. Maybe I'll change my mind if we watch it again. This one, though, um, I do give it a 2. Um, the script is super weak. Um it is your it's just a straight A to B horror movie. Um but there's no there's no layers to it. Um yeah, Virginia's kind of the kids are kind of creepy. But that's not that's not enough. Um when you have such a weak story to go off of. Um they didn't have to have the Mary syndrome. They could have just been inbred and left it as that. There's just, uh, there are a lot of things. It was, you know, having some nothing characters like Peter just there. Um, I'm sure that there there was a couple points in this that anyone could find some enjoyment out of. I know there was a couple points where there was a little bit of a giggle for me, but it, it didn't do enough to save this. And also, like, whether I liked it or not, I don't feel the need to ever watch it again. Like, this isn't one of those I can put on a list and be like, I'm going to watch this on a random rainy Sunday afternoon. Like, this is definitely one where I'm like, I've seen it. I'm not mad about it, but I don't feel the need to ever see it again. So.
1: I think one of, I probably forgot to mention this before, but probably one of the, the the part that made me pop the biggest was uh, a line from Elizabeth right at the beginning. So uh, Virginia kills the messenger in the window and then all of a sudden, Elizabeth comes into the room. She's like, Virginia, are you crazy? <laughs> oh, yeah. And then, like, she, Virginia, like, looks up, and she's holding a knife, <laughs> standing next to a dead body, and her eyes, like, clearly look crazy, and it's just like, do, do you want me to answer that? Yeah. Like, is that a, like it's just like, and then she turns around and was like, oh, Bruno's gonna hate you, but it's just that first initial response of, Virginia, are you crazy?
0: no I'm perfectly Uh, fine you're the one with the problem
1: yeah (laughs) um that was a good one
0: but yeah I mean if you're a fan of if you don't mind like the black and white horror of the 60s horror you're probably gonna like this one just fine um it has nothing to do with it being in black and white or being in the 60s that is bothering me it's just kind of a nothing story um so yeah, yeah. It's two, it's a two out of five for me, and call it a solid three out of five for you.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm giving it a three. That'll do. Yeah.
0: All right. So I guess that anything else on Spider wave you want to add? Because I think I'm done.
1: I mean, I definitely in, enjoyed it just for the uh, kind of that classic. Uh, and something that I've never seen before, so I was actually happy well, that it. I think I did you also, enjoy,
0: I think you enjoyed it too for the familiarity side of it too, because you are you do like Cheney's movies and you like Sid Hagg's movies and stuff yeah. like that. So
1: and and I'm big fan into the you know Texas, Ch- like so Texas Chainsaw Master, House of Thousand Corpses. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, uh, it kind of fit well with me. And it was I just mean, it,
0: the only thing that separated it from those was the splatter porn splatter porn element of it. There really was none of that going yeah. on.
1: I think if you made this movie now there would be a lot of that, oh, so that black gore and, and boobies yeah they would have really amped it up even if it was in the 80s they would have they would have been that way too mm-hmm. um I, actually th- if with all the remakes that are coming out this would be a pretty good one to remake. I think you could really amp it up and get that creep factor into Can you into imagine it?
0: if Eli Roth put his fingerprints on it? Oh, oh
1: my God. That's where the, the splatter porn is going to come into play. <laughs> Jesus, man. That man is made of gore.
0: Yeah, so, it's pretty bad. Geez. And most of the time, the movies aren't themselves aren't very good. They're just icky.
1: But I think that's where... Uh, I mean, I would love it if Eli Roth did it, but it's just one of those... I mean, I think you could really amp it up. You feel like that,
0: maybe this deserves a remake? Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Definitely. I mean it's in uh, I, I Sid also. Sid Hague is Bruno. That would Bring be awesome. Around. That would be cool. But um but yeah, no, I, I actually I Hey mean, Warner, when
0: you Warner Brothers, when you decide to start making money again, you like money again, call
1: me. Yeah. <laughs> so but uh I mean there was uh, I I had gotta give this movie that classic credit because it was a fun movie to watch like you said probably not one that you need to re-watch again right off the bat or you know put it in a at like, heavy, heavy rotation at or at all but I mean it's like for you anyways I'm <laughs> just saying it's like I, I do like those classic monster movies and so this would be a fun one just to be like eh nothing else to watch let's watch some spider baby but I mean just to you know get it going but it's not like it's a Heavy rotation one at all. No. But with Lon Chaney said, hey, I'm, I'm all for it. And I enjoyed it. It all was right. fun.
0: Cool. Well, yeah. that, that, I think that wraps up our Spider Baby episode. So catch us at the usual joints. We are on Facebook at uh, Creepin' It Real. And we are on, also on Instagram at Creepin' It Real. It's R E E R E E L as in movie reel. You can catch us on Redbubble. We have a Redbubble page full of merch. Um, all unique lunchbox designs mm-hmm. um we are at redbubble.com slash people slash creeping it real
1: that is right um, and you can get i mean everything from uh men's and women apparel you know t-shirts baseball tees hoodies all the way to home decor from pillows and coffee mugs and stickers <laughs> notebooks journals cell phone case like it's it's runs a gamut on all types of yeah. Right merch, now, so. I think
0: we've got designs for about fifty different types of merchandise. Yeah. So
1: and I just I put up uh I got about ten ten designs going right now. So I mean it's it's mm-hmm. covering all all types of ground. So I'm yep. pretty I'm pretty happy with it.
0: Yep. So catch us on that. If there is a movie you want to hear us rate, review, or roast, email your ideas to uh, creepingatreal dot cm at gmail dot com,
1: yeah.
0: um, or find
1: us on Instagram and Facebook and DM.
0: Yeah, you can always, uh, but the email is probably the best way to do it. Yeah. Um, because if you, you're, I don't know, sometimes it doesn't, it goes into the other folder on Facebook, so email is probably
1: the best way to do all that stuff. Well, my phone's pretty much attached to my hand. It's basically a part of me now. Yeah, I know. Which that we I'm, are
0: Trapper Keeper. We are one.
1: Pretty much, yeah.
0: All right. <laughs> um so i think that's all the pertinence so until next time i've been meg
1: i'm lunchbox see you later